How is everyone this morning? Anybody stressed out? How many of you are lying and not raising your hands? Half of you. Awesome. We're, we're hosting uh, Christmas uh, with my family today, which is always entertaining. And um, some of you understand. <laughs> and uh, we've got Christmas Eve and then Christmas Day, and uh, then, then we rest. So we're looking forward uh, to all... Um, all that Christmas brings. And for many of us, uh, Christmas means lots of things, right? Uh, for some, uh, Christmas means the presents around the tree. Um, some of them, that uh, some of you that might be shorter than uh, five foot tall, have already snooped out, uh, looked at the name tags that are on them, shaken them, and listened very closely to see if you can figure out what it was. Some of you have looked through your parents' closets. Yeah, just, just so you know, there was a one time that uh, when I was a kid, we actually found my parents' stash of Christmas presents. It was underneath, it, maybe it's not a secret, it was me, it was underneath the basement steps, underneath a bunch of blankets. We found a whole stash. Nothing had yet been wrapped, and we thought, man, we, we went up to my parents' Um, we found out uh, Christmas morning that uh, we indeed had not one up to my parents because they took all of those presents back and bought different ones. <clears throat> so um, those of you that are younger or a little bit older and try to snoop, let this be a lesson to you. Um, don't, don't snoop. Just, just be surprised. So for some of us, uh, Christmas uh, means the presents. Uh, for some, it means uh, the cutting down or the going to the, the Christmas tree farm and picking out um, the, the tallest, the fattest, the most green Christmas tree that uh, you can imagine. For some, um, it's just Christmas morning. For some of you, although I don't know why, um, it is shopping. Uh, for some um, that are a little older, uh, maybe it goes back to a nostalgic moment when uh, you were a kid. And for those of you that have grown up locally, maybe it even goes back to a time when you'd go downtown every Christmas, and there in Lazarus, with all of the windows displayed, you would sit down with the one and only Santa Claus and get your picture taken. Mostly, probably horrified by him, but you sat there uh, near the talking tree at Lazarus getting your picture taken. But my hope today is that we remember not just these things, because those are all, many of those are wonderful moments but that we remember the birth of a Savior, the fact that Jesus, God in flesh, came into this world as a baby so that he might um, save us and save those in which he created. And this week, as the songs uh, will undoubtedly flood our homes, our cars, um, the stores that we are in, and as we sing the praises in those moments, may our hearts worship the Lord. So God, today, as we open your word, as we pause um, just momentarily with the busyness of our schedules, with so many things still to be done, with meals to be made, presents to be wrapped, God, as we prepare um, to be with family, those that we love, those that we find difficult, as we prepare to host, God, may uh, we see you and may we wonder at who you are and what you've done. May we see Jesus. May we see him as a baby to bring hope, love, joy, and peace to our, not just our world, but to our lives. It's in his great and glorious name that we pray. Amen. 
Well, if you've got uh, the Bible with you this morning, uh, digital or otherwise, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 2. I want us to look at this very familiar story and uh, not uh, look at it in the Charlie Brown way, although that is wonderful. But I want us today to not just read the words and miss the meaning of them. We can often do that, right? Familiar stories, familiar passages, we just miss some of the wonder that is in them. So as we look at Luke chapter 2, let me start in verse 1. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And then in verse 6, it says something incredibly interesting. It says, and while they were there, it was time for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. This week as I was reading and preparing and just asking the Lord to um, give me the words that he would have us to share, the first part of um, verse 6 stuck out to me, and while they were there, we know um, that Mary and Joseph uh, were told that she'd be giving birth to God's son. It's kind of a big deal, right? Imagine that if it were you. Men, imagine that if that were you. <laughs> that would be an incredibly huge moment that you would be giving birth to God's son, the Savior of the world. So you think about that. I don't know about you, but if it were me, um, I would begin all kinds of planning and preparation for such things. I would be insisting on some sort of pomp and circumstance if, if that can happen. I, I would be insisting that um, life was simple, that all of our um, to-dos and tasks and chores would have been done days, weeks, months before, so that in that moment uh, we can be there in our home for the birth of the Savior of the world. But they didn't. They went, just as their everyday life was. They went to where they were going, and it says, and while they were there, she gave birth to Jesus. An ordinary day with extraordinary things happening. So as you think about um, what are ordinary days for us, we go to work, we go to school, uh, we get up to an alarm clock, uh, we sit um, in front of our TVs, we go to friends' homes, we sit with family, uh, we eat meals together. We have ordinary days. Think about this past week. Who was it that uh, you saw? Who did you see at work this week? Who did you see in your neighborhood? Who did you see at your school? Lots and lots of people. For some people, you walked by, didn't notice that they were there. For some, we had conversations with them. For some, we simply said hello. Uh, for some, we simply dismissed because we'd rather not speak to some of those people. Think about who you were with while you were at your home this week. Your parents, your kids, your relatives. Did a neighbor come by or did you go to a neighbor's house and talk to them? Did you have to go to the store to buy a last-minute present? Did you have to go to the store six or seven or 
eight times. All of the things that are in our normal schedule, and this week there's a, there's a few more things. And think about all of those people that we might have met or talked to or seen. What is it that they were struggling with? What were they thinking about in that moment where they saw us or heard us? What did they see while we were driving down the road? We don't know for many of these, but here's what I want us to see here in this moment as this incredible thing, miraculous thing, was about to happen. It happened while they were there. And for us, we are coming and going all of the time. And God doesn't ask us to plan out his plans for him. He doesn't ask us to plan out his schedule. He doesn't ask us to figure all of those things out. But somehow, in the moment, as we are living the life that God has called us to, God does the miraculous. And here in this moment, and while they were there, God does the miraculous. It's incredible to think about. So you look at verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So let's just pause for a minute and place yourself there in that field outside of the city, taking care of the sheep, which is likely your job every night of the week. You've got the night shift, and you're hoping that your sheep are there and are going to settle down and are going to lay down and are going to rest for the night. All the while, you're probably worried that someone or something is going to try to come in and harm them, and you know that it's your job to protect them. So there they are, and angels show up. Think about if that were you for a moment. What would you be thinking? What would you be feeling? What would your response be? And as we look all throughout Scripture, uh, we see many times where God's glory is revealed to people. And almost every single time, the one thing that it causes, which I think it would cause in us, is great fear. They were scared to death. And I think for us, we would have the exact same response. But it says that the glory of the Lord shone around the angels. So what is this glory? Is it just some bright light um, that is there? Is it, is it random? Is it just God's physical calling card? So if I were to say, do you guys notice the light in the room? How many of you notice the light in the room? Hopefully, most of us can see the light in the room. How many of you see, um, as you look just here, um, would you say, well, that's, that's the fluorescent? 
We wouldn't. <laughs> we wouldn't say as we walk into a home, well, that's the LED. We wouldn't say that. That would be remarkably weird. God's glory is simply God's holiness manifested so that we might see it, um, at least in part. You see, holiness is this idea that God is set apart, that he is wholly different than us. He is holy. He is perfectly righteous. He is perfectly good. He is set apart from us because we are not wholly righteous and wholly right and wholly good. In fact, we're really the opposite. We're not any of those things. But here in this moment, as the shepherds were out in the field taking care of their sheep for the night, hoping that everything is going to be calm, angels show up, and the glory of the Lord shines around them. And for all the other instances that we can see in Scripture, this isn't just like a flashlight kind of light. It is a blinding light, and so much so that it causes and instills in the people who are there in its presence are terrified. They're terrified. But I love uh, what God does here, because he often says this, is that people are in fear in his presence. The angels say this in verse 10, fear not. Don't be afraid. Which is kind of an ironic statement, isn't it? (laughs) Okay. I mean, how many of us have had angels show up to us in the middle of the night while we're watching sheep out in the field, and um, it's kind of a blinding light, and we're scared to death? None of us have had that. But here, this is happening, and the angel of the Lord tells them, fear not. Don't be afraid. Think about this for a moment. As you think about the creation of all of um, the earth and mankind, at each moment of creation, as God creates different things, what does he say at the end of each piece of creation? And it was good and it was good. And as he creates mankind, he says, and it was very good. And God there in the Garden of Eden had a kind of relationship where he would walk there with uh, Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening. His presence would be there with them. No fear. No one is scared to death in those moments. In fact, those were incredibly wonderful, glorious moments as they are there in the presence of the living God. But something quickly changed. As Adam and Eve chose to eat the fruit, they were no longer just walking with him, having conversation with him, and enjoying it there. Great fear came upon them because of the sin in their lives that forever changed the course of history. No longer were they there just communing with God in the cool of the evening. They were afraid. They were ashamed. And as we think about um, our world today, it's not much different, really. Most of us walk around uh, with all kinds of fear. We walk around with all kinds of shame. We walk around with all kinds of guilt. Because we know, for those of us that are followers of Christ, we know that God is everywhere all the time, and he is with us. And there's a part of us that responds to him in fear. And if you look at this moment here uh, with um, the shepherds, they're reminded almost immediately to fear not. 
God doesn't want us to be in his presence, trembling and shaking. He desires for us to have a relationship with him. He desires to make us whole, to restore us, to make things right. But that couldn't happen until Jesus came. So they say, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Imagine to think about what would this pronouncement mean in our everyday life in 2019, where angels would show up to us and say, hey, don't worry, don't be afraid. I come to bring you news, good news. And I want you to have, I'm sorry, bring you good news of great joy. And this good news of great joy, it is for everyone. If we were to pause for a moment and think and realize that this message of a Savior who is about to be proclaimed and announced here, it is the same message that we are given today. That we have a message of good news of great joy for all the people. And I think sometimes for us, um, for those of us, especially those of us maybe that have been walking with the Lord for a long time, maybe we've been in church um, too much and we've become religious people. And sometimes maybe uh, we think about this in different ways. Instead of good news of great joy for all of the people, we might even rewrite this in our own minds and hearts, probably because of our own um, guilty conscience. We have um, somewhat good news of limited joy for, hmm, a few people. But that's not what the angel proclaimed that night. It was good news of great joy for all of the people. Imagine what this would mean for our daily routine. You think about the people that we interact with. You think about the words that so naturally and easily come across our lips when we're talking about our friends or our family. You think about what this would mean if these were the things that we were saying every day in our workplace and in our schools, with our friends, on the sideline, wherever it is that we are, that we would proclaim good news of great joy for all the people. He goes on and says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. That's the message. And then suddenly, there was with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. God reveals um, his purpose, that he desires to bring glory to himself, and peace with mankind. That is good news of great joy for all the people. It is good news. And then it says this, or they say this, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So what is this glory in the highest? We oftentimes um, 
think about the things in our own culture, that if there's going to be an important message, that it ought to be delivered uh, through important people. And oftentimes, oftentimes unknowingly, we assign the, the title of important people to people who hold some sort of leadership type position. They hold some place of authority, some place of prestige. If there's going to be an announcement to be made at work, it's probably going to be your boss. It's probably not going to be you. It's probably going to be someone above you. If there are announcements to be made in a country, it's probably not going to be one of us. <laughs> it's probably going to be a president or a congressman or woman. It's probably going to be a senator. If there's going to be a world announcement. It's going to be from a world leader, someone that everyone recognizes. But here, he reveals this message to shepherds. And they say, glory to God in the highest. That even though we are here in this moment with people of a class in that culture and time that weren't regarded as clean people, they weren't regarded as people you wanted to hang out with, he reveals it to these people, these shepherds. And Jesus comes as a baby, a lowly state, a helpless state. And here in that moment, his glory is incredibly high. And not just incredibly high, it is glory in the highest. That God is coming here to take on flesh that he might save all of mankind and bring peace with us. Glory to God in the highest that he would do um, such a thing as this. And certainly Jesus is worshiped in the highest and his glory absolutely without question fills all of heaven. But he doesn't come to a royal court. He doesn't come to a seat of government. He comes to the shepherds. They were among the lowest. God chooses to reveal his message through the shepherds. Glory to God in the highest. So as we think about um, this idea, what does it cause? What would it cause in you if you were there in that moment as one of the shepherds? Angels appear to you, bright light, almost if not blinding, and they speak to you, and they make this pronouncement they reveal in this moment God's glory, both in its physical manifestation of bright light in his holiness, um, but also to you with a message that Jesus is coming, the Savior is coming, and he's going to be born in Bethlehem. Look at verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let me just think about this for a minute. So there you are in this crazy moment, and then they go away. What, what do you do? I mean, there's a group of them, obviously. Um, do, do they just stand there silently? What would you do? Would you be high-fiving each other, be like, man, that was so cool? Would, would you faint? <laughs> Uh, would you run away and hide as though that would work? I mean, what, what would you do there in that moment um, as these angels have just revealed this incredibly 
awesome message to you and reminded you to not be in fear. And it says that when the angels went away from them back into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, they began to talk, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. So what was the shepherd's response to this message? It was simple. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go and see this thing that was spoken to us about. Let's go. Let's not wait. Let's not figure out and make plans. Because I don't know if, if, if it were me, I'd be like, hey, fellas, we, we're like shepherds. We kind of got these sheep things here. <laughs> Can't just leave them. <laughs> it's our job to protect them. What if someone's coming? What if this is a grand trick? Would anybody else be thinking these things? I would be. I'd be like, I don't know. What if the boss shows up and we're not here? What if we walk all the way there and it's not really happening? But no, that wasn't their response. It was quick. Let's go. Let's go see this thing. Um. Some of us, you might have even been dumbfounded. You might have still been standing there with your jaw on the floor, <laughs> wondering what in the world just happened. You might be worried about the details or even other things. But no, they said, let's go. But what about us? Have we today received a different message? I don't think we have. I think the message that they received uh, here in this moment, in this real time in history, 2,000 years ago, we have the same message today. So what is our response? Is our response to try to figure out how to make it all work within our schedule? To somehow make it fit? Is our response to put it off and say, well, well, that message, that's nice. That's for a different time. Or is our response, let's go. Let's go and see. So not only did the angels reveal God's glory, but these shepherds pursued it. It was announced to them, they said, let's go. My hope today is that we would have the same mind and spirit as the shepherds. And as we hear, whether we know Christ is our Savior already or this is the first time we've ever heard about him, that we would hear this pronouncement and we would say, let's go. Let's go see this. Let's go see if this is true, if this is real. Let's go verify it for ourselves. And they chose to pursue the message that they were told about and go see this child. And not only did they go, they went with haste. They took off. <laughs> they left all their stuff. I mean, I'm assuming their campfire, it's still burning. Whatever food they were getting ready to cook up, it's still sitting there next to the fire. That one sheep who they have to keep an eye on all the time because it's always causing trouble, forgot about it. <laughs> they left, and they left with haste. They didn't take the long way, I'm sure, they went with haste. They ran. It so inspired them. It so excited them, this message 
of good news, of great joy for all of the people, that peace on earth was about to happen, they left with haste and they ran to go and see this child. And what did they find? They found Mary, they found Joseph, and they found Jesus. Just as they had been told. They found the Savior of the world. There is a helpless infant, wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. What a remarkable moment. Again, put yourself in their shoes. What are you thinking and feeling as you're experiencing that moment there, just like the shepherds would have been? You just had this crazy moment in the field with the angels and this message and the bright lights and the, the overwhelming fear. And they're like, oh, don't be afraid. I'm still scared. <laughs> and you run with haste to go see if this thing is real and true. And there you find it is. There's this baby, the Savior of the world, lying in a manger, wrapped in cloths. If it were me, I've got to imagine that I'd be asking questions like, well, what, what, why? why? Why would the Savior of the world come like this? Why would the Savior of the world be here helpless? I mean, we're not just talking about some random thing. I mean, we're talking about the God of the universe who spoke all of creation into existence there is lying down in the manger, can't sit up, probably can't even lift its head, can't do anything. And that is the Savior of the world. And I began to think about it. These guys are shepherds. They take care of sheep. And they don't just take care of any sheep. Um, They likely take care of many sheep that are to be used for the sacrifice of sin for all of Israel. They have cared for these sheep and they've seen them uh, grow. They've seen what it means and how difficult it is to remain spotless, to remain uh, without um, any sorts of um, defect in them. And they began to realize, huh, maybe Maybe God has decided for Jesus to come as the Savior of the world as a baby so that he might actually be the sacrifice that we have needed all along. That he might eventually be the spotless lamb, as Scripture talks about, that would take away the sins of the world forever. I've got to imagine it was another moment for them of incredible power, revelation, of wonder. But what did they find? They found that this message that they received in the field was true. Jesus was there, wrapped in claws, lying in a manger. So what was their response to seeing Jesus and discovering that the message was true? Let's look at verse 17. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. 
But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. What was their response to seeing Jesus? They simply told the message that they received from the angels. They didn't make up another one. They didn't uh, try to um, come around and explain it to them. They simply spoke to them what had been spoken to them. And the result of that is that God's message, not ours, but God's message causes wonder in all who heard it there in that moment. And then they, they returned to their sheep, <laughs> which is an amazing thing. Um, they didn't um, there in that moment say, hey, we're, we're dropping everything else in our lives so that we might stick around with you, Mary and Joseph, (laughs) and we're going to help you raise the Savior of the world baby. (laughs) They went back to their sheep. God had a different plan for them. And as they went back, what did they do? They glorified and praised God. (laughs) So as you think about that for us, for many of us here, Uh, We have been impacted by this same message. We have heard this message that is good news of great joy for all the people. And we have given our lives um, to this Savior. And he has forgiven us of all of our sin. And he has brought peace between us and him and our relationship with him. What do we go away saying? Do we go away and think, well, that was awesome, and that's it? (laughs) I hope not. My hope is that we have encountered um, not just some story, not just some religious book, not just um, some um, fictitious um, idea about how it is and what purpose we bring, but that we have impacted, we have been impacted by the person of Jesus Christ and that he has changed our lives forever. And we walk away from that moment forever, glorifying and praising God. And as we go, walking away, glorifying and praising God, we proclaim his glory wherever we go. So much like the shepherds, as you go back to work, as you go back home, as you go back to school, that we would proclaim the glory, the wonder of Jesus. Not in our own way, not in our own contrived, made-up story, as though somehow we can make it better, but that we would report back exactly what God has already told us, that we would report back the message as it was given to us, and that people would be impacted and changed forever by this Savior. So what's it all mean for us as we celebrate Christmas? Again, with many things I'm sure still left to do, much stress still left to come on our shoulders and our hearts and our minds. First, we must remember the good news of great joy for all people, that God chose to reveal his glory to these shepherds in a field. And he has revealed that same glory to us in the birth of Jesus. Why? 
so that we might be at peace with him. And that incredible message should cause us to pursue him. Not just to say, oh great, thanks, that's a great story, that's a great message of hope and of peace. But that in that moment, hearing about Jesus, that it would spark something in us. That we would, with haste, want to go and see this baby, to see this Jesus. And today, Jesus is obviously not in a manger, but we have been left with his words. That we would go with haste to pursue his glory in his word as he has revealed it to us. And as we go, that we would be proclaiming this good news of great joy for all of the people. Is it our job to save the world? No. Is it our job to somehow come up with an evangelistic strategy um, to somehow rescue the world? No. God has given the evangelistic strategy, so he sent Jesus. <laughs> he didn't send us. He certainly didn't send me. But somehow, in his own infinite wisdom, um, he chooses to allow us to have his glory, his praise on our lips. What a privilege that we have wherever we go. So this week, who needs to hear about this message? Is it a family? Is it friends? Is it a coworker? He's given us this great honor of sharing this news. Maybe today you're here with us. You've never really heard this message of good news, great joy for all the people. It's for all people. Jesus came so that all might have life. He came for you and he came for me. This message is for you. Maybe that's something that uh, you're feeling God, even right now in this moment, tugging at your heart. And you feel like there's something that God's calling you to do here in this moment. I want you to know that God desires to have peace with you. That he desires to forgive you just as he has forgiven me and many others in this room. He desires for you to know what it is to be forgiven. He desires for you to know um, the one who has created you. He desires to have a relationship with you. And surrendering our lives to him and seeking his forgiveness is what he asks of us. And there's no better time than right now to do that. So for us, the rest of us, May we forever, because of what he has done for us, may we glorify God and praise him because he is indeed worthy of it. So as we go, may we remember God has chosen to reveal his glory to us. He has given us the opportunity to pursue his glory. And even bigger than that, he gives us the privilege wherever we go to proclaim his glory. Let's pray. God, today, we know that uh, you are indeed um, at work in us and all around us. You are at work in this room and in our hearts to those of us that uh, know you, for those of us that uh, are yet to know you. 
God, that you are at work, and um, God, that you desire to have a relationship with us. But that relationship can only happen, God, if we are forgiven and made clean. So God, this Christmas, as we celebrate the birth of baby Jesus, not just as some holiday, but God, we celebrate it. We celebrate Jesus because he has come into this world to rescue us. And may we be in wonder at your amazing glory wherever we go. And God, too, may your praise, may your glory be forever on our lips, no matter what we do, where we go, who we speak with. And God, may we also finally realize as we celebrate Christmas that you are with us and you prove that by sending Jesus. Thank you for today, for your word, for all of us who've had the privilege to hear it. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.